0: Hi again, everybody. John Porteous of the Lovells Township Historical Society here, and you're listening to the Backcast Podcast. Welcome back. The um, fun episode today, we've got uh, Joe Hemming of the uh, Anglers of the Asable. Um, Joe's just fantastic guy, and uh, uh, there's an organization that uh, perhaps I do have a little personal bias towards, so uh, it's, it's nice that we can uh, put Joe out in front of everybody. This was recorded earlier after the... Uh, Angler's 35th uh, celebration. And uh, again, I think you'll enjoy it. So uh, here we go. Hi again, everybody. John Porteous and Richard Perry here. And today we have a special guest. Hi, Joe. Joe Hemmings with us today. And Joe, uh, for those of you that may not be aware, is the current president of the Anglers of the Asable, who I think just last week had a Banner celebration of your 35th anniversary. So welcome, Joe. How are
1: you? Oh, good. Thanks, John. Thanks, Richard. I uh, it it was a uh, it was a fabulous night. Um, 35 years. So we're we're somewhat unique as an organization where we only do these celebrations once every five years versus an annual event. So it's kind of like Brigadoon that comes out, you know, as a town in that movie. Um, yeah. So well, I'll, I'll
0: tell you, I haven't been to all of them. Bergadoon? they keep getting better. Yeah, <laughs> and the, all the brigadoons too. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, that um, no, was great. And and what was really nice about this banquet was, um, and I really um, give a pat on the back to Josh Greenberg. He um, he had a vision that he wanted the celebration um, dedicated. And celebrating habitat, habitat in the river, and I think he hit it out of the park. Um, Oh yeah, the
0: opportunity to adopt a log jam. Yeah. I mean, how great is that? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) It doesn't get any better than that. I think that's. I mean, I'm just picturing, you know, you know, either wading down the stream or perhaps kayaking with the family, and why that little log structure there that's holding trout. Is something your mom and I sponsored? No, <laughs> you no. know stuff like that. It's no, that
1: cool. was great. And then Matt Verlach, you know, um, donating a uh, a guided trip um, as part of that was was great. And, yeah. Oh, um, Matt's an excellent young yeah, man. Oh, he's <laughs> fantastic. Big, big Matt fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I floated with him, and he's fantastic.
0: That's great. So, well, let's let's um, acknowledge for sure. We don't want to. Uh, undersell the 30 the importance of the 35th uh, anniversary but maybe we back up a little bit tell folks about how how you came to this area how you're able to expand your passion and to a role of leadership with a cold water conservation organization
1: well um it uh let's see got to go back in time here so it was over 20 years ago and um my wife and I and family would go up to a little place called Viking Lake between Gaylord and Grayling. And um, my wife, Betsy, her family, had had this place in the in the family for years. And it was it was great, loved it, but really wanted a a, a place of our own, okay. in, my, in my mind. And during this time, um, I, I had been fishing. Um, more of the Chuck and Duck on the, on the Pier Marquette and okay. had been doing that for Steelies and, and ah, Salmon for, okay. gosh, we'd been doing that for 40 years um, with a group of people, including Bruce Pregler, who's oh, a, another sure. past president uh, of One of Angler's. our un- unsung heroes. Yep, 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 and he is an unsung hero. Um, so we go way back with that. So anyway, it came to a time where starting to get into fly fishing and, and, and morphing from the chuck and duck to something, uh, dry fly fishing and, and taking a love to that and deciding really, really needed to get our own place on the river. on the Okay. And so looking all around high and low, well, my wife wasn't real happy with this, um, because she, she saw this as something taking her away from Side of the family, oh, uh, Lake okay. Place. Okay, and so that was a that was a tough sell job I had to do on my part. Okay, and happy to report that she, um, through the years, has fallen head over heels in love oh, good. with the river, adores it, um, one of its biggest fans. So it, it's it been a very, very happy story. Well, that's great. Yeah. And she and she writes a lot for the River Watch. She writes a column. Mm-hmm. Um, and good, bad, ugly, or otherwise, I somehow managed to end up in these articles, um, <laughs> oftentimes with mud on my face. So I'll do something stupid around the, the cabin around the river. And... I look at her and I say, "This isn't going to end up in the River Watch, is it?" Mm, probably. <laughs> it, it seems to. Yeah.
0: Are these little subtle paybacks for the lake thing, or? <laughs> <laughs> I just and, ask it. It, it. could be.
1: So anyway, my my um, my wife has called the uh, the cabin, and just my head over heels um, in love with fly fishing. My midlife crisis and. Good. If if that's midlife crisis, midlife crisis, I'm I'm happy with it. Embracing it fully.
0: <laughs> Embracing it fully. Did a lot worse things to, uh, I was gonna to say. with. Yeah. Yeah. You're not, you're not wasting money on sports cars or anything. So that's, yeah, that's good. You're good yeah. At golfing for crisis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Plenty of room at the table for everybody. But yeah, uh, yeah. So, Joe, um, you how long have you been the president of the anglers?
1: Um. That's a good question. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I
0: should know the answer myself.
1: <laughs> I and I guess I should know it too. I I'd say probably 3 years, 4 years. I I think it's somewhere in okay. there. Hmm. I've I've lost track to be honest. With well, you.
0: <laughs> within the 35-year history and within your term, the Anglers have some nice accomplishments that I think are probably worthy of just, you know, if you I'll defer to you to pick and choose, but it's not—it's—it's it's not like just a bunch of guys sitting around, you know, writing a letter or two every once in a while. Oh, and God no, crabbing. I mean, there's hands-on oh. making stuff. You happen. You guys have
1: taken on some pretty serious commitments and raised a lot of money in order to support that, and uh, kind of been leading the battle here on the the North Branch against a lot of uh, invasive encroachments. Yeah, well, it's and and thank you, but and it's true. The when we've done battle, um, in the courts or with other organizations or groups, they don't understand the passion that is brought with this organization, they don't get it, and, 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 and well, they, they eventually do, <laughs> they eventually do once we get in the courtroom. But, um, this is one passionate group, um, it starts obviously with the membership, you know, we've got some 1200 members and they have dug deep in their pockets and their wallets when, when the time was needed. Um, you know, whether it was drilling in the Mason track, um, the fish farm case, um, Coca Creek, yeah, um, Catch and release early on, which is really... Catch be, and release early on was huge. Yeah, oh, and it was the impetus for the founding of yeah. anglers. Um, so it starts with a membership, and then, you know, it it flows into the uh, an incredible board of directors that we have. I, I mean, this is a passionate, dedicated group. Um, and how many hours uh, of time the board and volunteers have given, I, I couldn't even begin to estimate. So... It, it starts with that passion and when you got that working for you you can move mountains
0: well and and i don't want to leave our listeners that are unaware uh but just the impression that this is just a litigation uh, group it's not at all it's uh there are active boots in the water doing river restoration habitat improvement um all kinds of surveys and studies and uh so there's a <laughs> Not to mention it
1: occasionally casting to a rising trout. <laughs> well, the, that that somehow gets to fit into the picture some exactly. way, shape, or form. But, yeah, our um, our habitat chair, Terry Lyons, uh, the years and years and years that he has put into this river and to the habitat work and to the surveys, you know, the, the insect surveys, the red surveys, mm-hmm. I mean, he... he well, Terry's would, running,
0: I, I believe, next weekend? North Branch Road Survey? That's right. That's hey, listeners. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, check, I, check the show notes.
1: We'll we'll leave you some info. <laughs> and and I would say this to the listeners, too, that if you haven't volunteered for one of these projects that Terry heads up, mm-hmm. um, it's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to connect with a lot of great people who have the, the love of the river and fly fishing and the camaraderie it's fantastic. And by the way, you get to learn a lot about the river, the habitat. Um, oh my gosh, it's it,
0: incredible. When when Leslie and I moved up, um, we had not previously done a red survey. And, and Jerry was still around then too. So we we had to learn at, at the feet of, of Terry and, and Jerry Lake. And you're spot on. I mean, it's there is a very you know, a specific protocol determining whether a muskrat or some waterfowl, you know, is eating on the edge of some aquatic vegetation versus a legitimate red.
1: Oh, and, and I agree. And that that was a real learning curve yeah. for me <laughs> and that. eye-opening when I did, you know, the red survey. And um, it, it takes an eye yeah. uh, that you have to develop in the course of, of doing the survey where you can start to distinguish between the two.
0: Well, and that's what's cool about you know new people coming into it is that uh, Terry will, will pair you up with somebody a little more knowledgeable so that, that it just facilitates that stair step learning adventure so that as you know time and circumstance occur that you know maybe Fred can't do it this year or something you know well you know Jim's got some background in this you know slot him right in and it, it's just it's really cool that there's a continuity and a flow no pun
1: intended (laughs) (laughs) no you're 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 absolutely right and so um again to the listeners i'd say uh, volunteer 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 you want to be a better uh fly fisher you want to know the river better you want to meet some great people volunteer for a habitat project and or, or a survey and you will not be disappointed exactly
0: exactly fantastic the um well you know, we we kind of alluded to it, and I don't want to I don't want to run it into the ground, but I think we'd be negligent if we didn't acknowledge that um, among cold water conservation groups and other um, user specific use groups, there is a uh, a public debate uh, currently taking place about the expansion of Camp Grayling. and obviously, as the historical society, we're just going to be the reporters here, uh, but perhaps you'd like to touch on that and again, I, I'm not, I don't want to create you know, faux in- inflammation here, but um, let's just call it for what it is. There's, there's a conflict at hand, there's a, a slight disagreement, and um, an opportunity for, again, public involvement. So ha- how are the anglers approaching this, Joe?
1: Well, as an organization, we're opposed. I, I would first say that also as an organization, we recognize the importance of the National Guard and, and the mission they have, and and it is important, and and we do want to honor that. Um, well,
0: I don't think there's anyone among us that is not for a strong national
1: defense, exactly, and adequate
0: training and preparation. I think it it's safe to say we're all on that boat.
1: And absolutely, and and we feel that. Um, you know, the national guard base that, that, we have in the area here being, being the largest national guard base in the United States, um, very much fulfills, um, that need, mm-hmm. um, of the national guard and, and the importance that they have in, in fulfilling their mission to now take this largest base in the country and to more than double it is a bad idea and is not needed. Um so we're we're opposed we encourage um our membership and anybody listening out there contact your government representative share with them um you know your opposition to to this proposed expansion if they're not aware of what's going on certainly educate Read them yeah uh, there's there seem to be uh, a, a number of uh uh, government representatives out there that don't seem to know a lot about what this National Guard expansion is Rather all about. It's surprising when you start reaching out to people, isn't it? it it's shocking. It, it, this, this is a big deal, and, well, and they should know about it.
0: And Joe, this just isn't, this isn't about some upset trout anglers. This is, this is
1: transcends. <laughs> oh, this, this affects so many groups. There's, Yeah, this, this affects a lot of different groups, not just fly fishers. Um, people that use the land, recreational users, hunters, fishers, um, bird watchers, um, just all kinds of groups. It also goes beyond that as well. Um, you've got a lot of uh, property owners, cabin owners, up and down the river, and if uh, real estate uh, gets depressed over this, which is where I think that would be headed, uh, that's going to be a problem. Well, in terms of property owner property value? Absolutely, and oh, and, the, and the tax basis, and and what goes into the counties uh, to support the schools and sure. and services and everything. Well, it's, it, it's just
0: not folks on the river, right? These are property owners far and wide. They, it's not like the guard is requesting only riverfront. <laughs> right.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. right. No, exactly. So there's a whole quality of life um, factor to this that whether you're on the river or off the river, if, if you're in this enormous proposed footprint, mm-hmm. you're going to be impacted. And I think it's going to adversely impact uh, property values as well. So I think at the end of the day, these government units, entities are not going to be happy. Hmm. Well, it,
0: again, I, I don't know that we'll solve it here today, but I did want to make the listeners aware of it and offer you an opportunity to um, express the, uh, the angler's view on it. And I, and I would and, say... And, and I guess in the o- offer of fairness, if there's anybody on the other side of this equation that would like to sit with us, we will make the, the space available. For and sure. I, and for I, sure. I, I,
1: I, That's that's great. And we're opposed. There's a lot of moving parts. Um, things are being done on on behalf of uh, the organization. And, you know, to the listeners, just know that, you know, Anglers of the Osabo is all over this.
0: Yeah. Good. Good. Well, now let's talk about you know, recently uh, we had the pleasure of sitting down uh, with Kristen Thomas, who's uh, been involved uh, in a collaborative effort with the anglers uh, from the TU state TU level, and uh, was telling us about some of the exciting helicopter drops of trees and such. And uh, maybe you'd like to touch on some of the other projects that you're involved with uh, that fall outside. Um, the current controversy, if you will.
1: <laughs> well, and, and there is a very happy story there. Um, you recall that we had had a, uh, fish farm case, um, yeah. at the old fish hatchery, um, in Grayling and, um, what has now developed, um, coming out of that, that fight that now is receding further and further in the rear view mirror. Um, is that we got approval um, in fact it was just yesterday that the 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 county board of commissioners for Crawford county uh, greenlighted and approved uh, our project to reconnect uh, the east branch for fish passage we had we had two goals um, for that project and one was to allow fish passage and the other was to not adversely impact current operations at the hatchery. And with the team that we assembled, we're able to do that. And so this was a wonderful, wonderful partnership with Michigan TU. Uh, Krista Thomas was on the team along with Brian Burrows and, uh, Terry Lyons, um, from anglers, uh, and myself, and we we just hit it out of the park and um it's a great congratulations ju- cause oh, that was
0: up in the air when we talked to Kristen, so that's yeah awesome no Congrats.
1: no it's it, it's it's great and, and again i i really really want to thank the uh crawford county board of commissioners um for green lighting this um it's I huge. Just, no it's it's huge because what what in essence you're now being able to do is if when fish can pass uh, upstream, you've opened 23 river miles of the East Branch to the rest of the river system. And this is gonna be particularly important as climate change occurs and the the rivers, the water's warm, the fish become stressed, they need places to go to find cooler water Mm -hmm. um, in the river system And, and you've, just exposed 23 river miles, enabling the fish to do that. Right. So it, it's great for the system. It's, it's really, really exciting.
0: It's awesome because, you know, a lot of this does overlap. We just also um, uh, had a recent guest, uh, Greg Corus, uh joined us as a uh, forester. And we were talking about trees and climate change and, you know, what might be working today who knows what's going to happen 10 15 20 years down the line relative to shade in the on the water and you know keeping the waters cool and such so exciting things
1: oh absolutely and you know, the river is going to warm I, I mean that's the way it's trending so yeah. the more variables you can put in there for the trout like more river um, you know water the better and yeah. so
0: well, and. You know we're we're now what this is the third winter of la nina uh so you know it's just like a, a record skipping you know, a groundhog day or something you know we're going to have allegedly a, another similar winter where and again i'm i'm not a local i'm not a native but i'll just offer you my observations it, it was a powdery dry snow uh last year and one that didn't yield i don't feel a lot of moisture that was able to return uh, to the river systems, and as such, it's low behind my house. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what it's like over by your place, but it's, yeah, it's a little eye raising and a little concerning.
1: Well, and and the the other thing that I'd say, and um, this this is um, as a credit to uh, and a pat on the back to uh, the DNR director. Dan Eichinger, who I know has taken some knocks here, um, is, regarding is the current partner, situation. <laughs> yes. Well, under, under his initiative, um, he started the, um, resiliency project for the mm-hmm. Assable and, you know, I'm participating on that and on several other board members from Anglers and other stakeholders along with the DNR, um, under the, um, Uh, leadership and coordination of Michigan State University. And it's a two-year project. We've completed the first year, but the idea is what can we do to help the Asobel River in the years to come with the climate change um, that's happening and, and make the river more resilient. And what comes out of this could serve as a template for other rivers in Michigan Uh, and really put Michigan in a leadership role as part of protecting our water and our resources with the ever-changing climate. So, you know, that was under the initiative of Dan Eichinger and, you know, hats off to him for getting this started.
0: Oh, to be sure. Well, there's a pretty cool parallel effort with that too, if I'm not mistaken, in terms of, instead of me anecdotally saying, gee, the river's low behind my home, that feels bad. Now we have, you know, with the the first data summit, which is a beautiful collaborative effort. Anglers, TU, um, <laughs> all. I mean, the list. What is it? Twelve different. Yeah. You know, flavors uh, out of Baskin Robbins thirty one. <laughs> well, and it's a pretty impressive lineup, and and we're quantifying. We're actually. Uh, some of these groups are 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 spending a lot of money to quantify and install monitoring
1: devices throughout all the watershed. Well, and and the and the other the other beautiful thing about that is to gather the data into one location, one place, one repository. One of the things when the North Branch. Um, we were looking at the situation there uh, involving fish and, mm-hmm. and lack thereof. Um, we did gather at, at Gates to talk about that as a group, and we had various stakeholders at that meeting. And one of the th- things that became quite apparent was everybody seemed to have a, a load of data, um, some some measurements, some this or that, and it was scattered to There's the no winds. There's a golden data set. Correct, and and somebody had something in their garage. Somebody else had something on their computer. Exactly. And can't we gather this into one spot? Mm-hmm. And so that's that was a problem we realized. And with this data summit, that's that's getting fixed. So that's good.
0: Well, and do do you view it in? in I don't want to spin this the wrong way, but I'm gonna I'll offer my own take on it, and we'll just leave it at that, and then you can let me know if I'm barking up the wrong tree, but it seems like, you know, this effort, um, whether it be with the anglers getting shocking equipment or Mason Griffith TU getting shocking equipment, there's the opportunity to counter ebbs and flows and budgetary availability to our state government agencies that previously done that and and to serve as a reinforcement and maybe fill in some of those gaps that they've been precluded from either from manpower or from
1: budgetary dollars made available to continue with those efforts and i and and i would take what you said and i would take it even further we're not going back to the old days The, the dnr is not going to get the money. To do the job it needs to do, to put the boots in the river that need to happen, like it used to do. That's that. Those days are gone, yeah. and and it's going to fall on the nonprofits, on the conservation groups, to put those boots in the water, mm-hmm. um, to make things happen, to do what has to happen for the good of the river. Um, and I would indicate as well that that's got to come from partnerships as well within these organizations. They have to pool their talents and their resources together, work together. And, and that's why, for instance, this East Branch Reconnect and partnering with Michigan TU was such a wonderful thing. I, I mean, we, we both had our strengths, anglers and, and Michigan TU that we brought to the table and, you know, together, we were an amazing team.
0: Well, together we're always stronger, and I I like this collaborative era, if you will, <laughs> as opposed to you know silos that it had have existed in the past, or maybe fences that should have been there. Now, everybody I think realizes the economy of scale and the power of working together and collaborating and uh, yielding a superior result. Amen. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's, it's, it's great. really pretty
1: cool. And and I think I think the light is is has gone on um, with these organizations where they're sitting there realizing, geez, if we don't do it, it's not going to get done. Yeah. it you can't go to the DNR and say you need to do this. They can't do it. it yeah. It's not that they won't. They can't. So yeah. it's got to come from the organizations. Right. And um, you know, that was one of the things that came out with uh, Brian Burroughs in his wonderful talk at our banquet, yep. along with Ann Miller. And um, Brian emphasized the fact that we are falling behind uh, okay. on habitat in the river. We can't, we're, we're losing habitat as we go forward, even with what we're putting into the yep. river. So we got to pick it up. Now that's-
0: In Ludington's studies, I think in validated that. Yes, yes. And, and, you know, we have the cliche on the podcast that, you know, wood is good, but it's more than a cliche. It's a scientific fact. No,
1: absolutely. And that's one of the things that uh, anglers did last year is um, we made a um, half million dollar commitment Mm -hmm. over 10 years to put habitat in the I'm glad you brought that up because that's, you might want to underscore that number one more time. Yeah, that's a half a million dollars over 10 years, and that comes from our membership. Yeah. You know, digging deep again into their wallets to to put money into the river. Private citizens that care. Absolutely, and and that's where the money's going, And, and it's the monitoring effort as well, you know, putting monitors, uh, into the river, we've we've got a USGS gauge that, that has gone in. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got monitors through Lake Superior State University that well, we're some,
0: working with. Some cool scalability. I don't I don't want to step on you, but there's some cool scalability that way because just contrasting the cost of operation between those two platforms is significant, and with. The Lake Superior State approach to using the, I believe they're called Mayfly gauges. Yep. Um, makes it a lot more
1: scalable. Yeah.
0: Seemingly. To an outsider, anyway.
1: <laughs> well, and, and, and the funny thing is, um, as part of just the monitoring as well, is you never know where uh, these monitors are going to come in and be important down the road. As an example, with the fish farm fight. Um, one of the things that came out that, um, uh, Eagle was not aware of at the time or DQ, I, 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 it's okay. I mix up my initials no, it's, here. No, it's,
0: it's all good. DQ Eagle, and, and Eagle's not, uh, listeners, uh, the, in this situation, the bird in the air. <laughs> this is, this is the, uh, new name of the, uh, former, uh, Department of, uh, what, Environmental Quality? Yes.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, um. Environment, uh, what is it, Eagle, Environment, Great Lakes, and Energy. Yeah. So when the permit got issued um, for the fish farm case, they were not aware of the uh, USGS gauge at Red Oak. We had to tell them about it. Oh, really? And, And that became a key component in the fish farm fight. And... Who would have guessed it? Who would have thunk it that, you know, that would have been such a key gauge and yet it was. So you never know when you're going to need these gauges Mm -hmm. um, down the road. Uh, They're great, obviously, for monitoring, you know, month to month to month, but somewhere down the road, um, they might be called on for uh, some sort of case that's going on involving the river. And certainly in the case of Red Oak, uh, that was a case. Incredible. Awesome.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, we've touched on a whole smorgasbord full of things and I'm not sure we've hit for everything, but what what, what do you see outside of the, the big things? Do you see any other thing on the horizon that uh, warrants your attention and you the opportunities if you will that might present themselves in the next few years for uh, further engagement? Yeah.
1: How much time do we have? We have as much time as you want. <laughs> That's well, the one thing we don't have a budget on. <laughs> well, you, you, you've, you've got the invasives, you've got the New Zealand mud snails, you've got the uh, didymo, and... Hey,
0: let's talk about didymo for a moment. Sure. Because that is interesting. Um, and Maybe you can put some clarity around it. Um, Primarily over on the Manistee at the moment.
1: Correct. Uh, well, and now the rivers like the St. Marys and. Well, and somebody said the Boardman. The Boardman, I've heard too. Um, it's
0: a, it's a rather grotesque, uh, sort of affair. It's. Uh, What's the nickname, Roxnot?
1: Snot? Yeah, that's
0: yeah. just really appealing. Um, <laughs> well, it, but but, it's, it, 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 but visually accurate. I, I was just about to
1: say that, and <laughs> you said it better. Disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But yes.
0: Regardless, at some point in time, and and again, you never know what you're hearing if it's is factual or not. So that I I I'm not declaring anything, but it almost sounded that people were postulating that it might be a function of phosphorus. And maybe not too much, but rather too little.
1: Correct. And that's kinda of weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that is weird and given all the gray water stuff that we've done in the past. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. And and I'm I'm not a scientist, but I, I think it involves here we come back to climate change again, that that winters are ending sooner. And this didymo, it gets a quicker jump on its competition in the river, which allows it to express itself and and take over. Um, I would give a pat on the back to Mark Luttonton, um, who mm-hmm. is on Angler's board, and you know he's another one of those unsung heroes. Uh, he's done a lot of work with didymo and sampling. And uh, Mark has pointed out that the water quality, um, the phosphorus, um, and the makeup of the water in the Manistee, that the Asabo is very close to the Manistee Mm -hmm. in that makeup. So uh, the Asabo is absolutely uh, a river of huge concern that it too is is gonna see the Didymo. So one of the things that, anglers did at its last board meeting is um we passed a motion that w- we think that felt sold waiters should be banned mm-hmm. they are a definitely a transport transport be vehicle sure. big porous you know absolutely for loving for, <laughs> for this <laughs> for this didymo and and they should be banned and so um we've approached um uh, the nrc Um, to have some hearings um, involving the DNR about this didymo, including the banning of felt-sold waiters. Mm -hmm. Um, We're in the process of uh, drafting a a letter and reaching out to retailers throughout the state that they shouldn't sell felt-sold waiters.
0: Um, And here's why.
1: And here's why.
0: Yeah, not not an arbitrary decree, but, hey, here's the
1: logic. Help us out. Right, right. No, absolutely. So um, we're going to keep up that fight. Um, Another challenge are uh, the impoundments, the dams, um, in the lower watershed. Uh, The asabo has got six dams, and Consumer Power is just reaching out, um, is in the process as we're talking of taking public input. Uh, And that public input is going to end, as I understand it, on October 28th. And then thereafter, uh, they'll take comment from uh, several groups. Uh, beyond that, in okay. terms of what should happen to these dams, and so that's a big that's a big issue. Um,
0: well, I mean, we heard we heard Kristen tell us specifically uh, with the dam that you know they did metrics on before and after. There was what would you say, Richard, anywhere from a four to ten degree. Temperature difference in the water is a function of the dam being removed, as measured yeah. downstream from where it was.
1: <coughs> it improved, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it it they definitely it's heat much. up the water. <laughs> um, there, they. Uh, I know there's some bubbler uh, systems and and mechanisms that have been installed to to try to keep the temperature down, and and I don't think they're they're working like they should. So temperature is a big problem. Um, and you balance that against um, the recreational users on the impoundments, Um, I'll share an aside with you. I I had the absolute joy this past summer with my future son-in-law that we started um, at the headwater of the Asable. We paddled up to, uh, we put in our kayaks up to Coke Creek and Cradford Creek, and we turned our kayak down river, and started floating and took us a week and we went to the uh, outlet down in escota where the where oh, the asabo as well. ends mm-hmm. it was an incredible trip and talk about seeing the breadth and beauty and variety that the asabo river has to offer unbelievable and, and i'd say to the listeners you want a great week vacation do that uh, you will be blown awesome. away no and it was and one of the things that struck me was going across these impoundments and and the m- amount of recreational users on some of these impoundments was the eye-opening mm-hmm. so yeah. there's a balancing there I I don't know you know where this is going to go and where it's headed um, but uh, consumers powers got a a, a complicated problem there. Sure. Um, you know, me myself and I take all the dams out, um, but it's harder said. You're set not the that, only user. It's easier it's, said than yeah. done, and yeah. I'm not. I'm not the only user. I would say, you know, one thing that a dam does do is keep invasives from moving upriver from the Great Lakes. I mean. Nobody's got a crystal ball. Nobody knows what's going to happen to Asian carp. Or... Well, I was
0: going to say, are they going to come up around the through the straits and come around and get us from Moscow, or you what? Know, sure. No, and maybe no, nobody
1: has a crystal ball, but you know, all of a sudden, you know, having a dam um, on the river doesn't seem like such a terrible thing, yeah. and and Sweet maybe keeps invasives yeah. out. <laughs> right. So, you know, that's that's a tough question, but. I would encourage everybody, you know, reach out to their conservation organizations, locally based, get the word out, make your voice heard um, on these dams and what you think and and what should happen to them. Yeah, and
0: you know, it's not like <laughs> we've talked about so much, Joe, and I don't want to I don't want to skip over anything, but it's not like the New Zealand mud snails have gone away either, and that's still a a big thing, and unfortunately, it's not. A terribly visible thing and it but it's something that folks can do pretty easy to remediate as an individual recreational user right? Correct. These issues come at you I mean one after another and uh, you know some of them kind of fall off the table and a little less important they're
1: just not being talked about. Mm, right right no I I agree and um, and again uh, Mark Luttenton I would say uh, has been all over that, studying the uh, mud snails as well. So that's another problem, but they're they're not going away. I, right. I mean, they're going to have to be dealt with.
0: Well, and listeners, there, there are intermediate steps that we can take individually relative to just cleaning our equipment. You know, when you get out of the water, take care of your stuff. You know, dry your boots out, you know, if you... If you are a person that still has felt sole waiters, throw some Clorox on them and ask for a repaired
1: sole for Christmas or something. Well, <laughs> it, or it, it, and or, and, or, and you clean them. Whatever. And if you happen to have another pair of waiters, you you keep a pair of waiters for the Manistee and, and mm-hmm. a pair of waiters for for the main branch of the Asabo. I I know people that do that as well. Yeah. And and that would help. But if if you're if you're moving from river system to river system, for God's sake, clean your waders. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's not like these little uh, microbes are, you know, out thumbing over on 72 between the Manistee and the Asabler back and forth. They're, you know, we're enabling this process.
1: So it, we have the ability to not enable it. Well, and and like, for instance, with the mud snail, um, you know, people think they can just hang their, dry, uh, their waders up and and brush them off and dry them off and that's mm-hmm. not the case these no. these little buggers you know can survive 30 days um out of the water so mm-hmm. that's that doesn't Persistent. help <laughs> yep yeah they are yeah
0: well cool joe this has been a lot of fun man the, uh before we take away you know we, we've spent so much time talking about the organization and different challenges that our part of the state is facing let's talk about some fun
1: stuff what um how was your fishing season? Um, it fun. It was good. Um, uh, never, never enough, as, sure. as they say. Um, one of the sad, unfortunate um, things for this year for me was I've got a river boat and I didn't get it out <gasps> this this year. Now the the year is not out, so yes. hopefully I can. But. Uh, I would dearly love to do that, and that's one of the beautiful things that I've been able to do, you know, in recent years is take the boat out, and I've got my wife who likes to ride the boat with me, and what a glorious afternoon that is to do that. So,
0: pretty special watercraft to do it in.
1: No, absolutely, yeah. and uh, I'm I'm set to go steelhead fishing here in a couple of weeks um, okay. on the Manistee, so. Um, going out for about four days fishing so I'm looking forward to that so nice we'll see what that do, brings do you have a favorite hatch something oh. that's
0: your favorite of over another
1: oh the hex all right okay the big uh, big fly guy okay. the, the, the hex is magical okay. I I just
0: it is it, it's it's so fun though you know you hear some people say oh it's the hannies or it's the isos or it's the hex I'm 180. I love the
1: trichos. <laughs> it's just, you know, similar biomass in different sizes. <laughs> well, and, and and I'll mention my wife, um, who uh, used to work in, in human resource leadership development um, in a past life, led the anglers on a retreat, um, the board on a retreat. And this was fantastic on her part. One of the things she did to kind of Break out the the board into different groups to see different personalities and and where commonality lay amongst members of the board. Um, set out a bunch of different hatches. and. Who's? Uh, what was your favorite hatch? Mm. She would ask each mm. of the board members. So you had the Brown Drake crowd. You sure. had the Hex crowd. We don't talk about the Brown <laughs> <laughs> you, you had the Trico crowd, you know, the Hennies, and right. it, the Sulfurs, and, and it was fantastic. It was a stroke of brilliance that. on her part.
0: Uh, that's great. I like that a lot. Okay, so uh, bamboo, fiberglass, or graphite?
1: Uh, graphite, I, I have not... Dipped my toe into the bamboo pond, and well, here's our next project. <laughs> I, my <laughs> yeah, my I fear, fix that. yeah. <laughs>
0: as, as we sit here with a uh, wonderful rod maker, we might be able to solve that my, equation for you. My, my
1: my fear is I will get totally, hopelessly lost in it. Um, well, don't stop. Uh, don't be afraid to stop at fiberglass. They make some outstanding fiberglass rods these days. That, yeah.
0: I think that honestly, that might be the winner project. Is uh, we, I saw some pictures of a gentleman over in Japan that had crafted what I'll call the ghost rod. And it's, you know, like a clear fiberglass with clear wraps, and it's just awesome looking. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, and I'm just wondering, I wonder if this thing casts as good as it looks. Yeah. I might not want to try and play with that. No. So, who no. knows?
1: That, that sounds fantastic. Well, I had to I had to work my wife over really, really... Uh, a lot uh, using my best lawyer, lawyerly skills to get the riverboat, and ah. um, and then after the riverboat came um, zippered waders. That's so um zippered maybe waders. bamboo bamboo rod would be the next challenge almost for almost me. Almost as expensive as a riverboat. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, exactly. I would uh, pretty close. Well, <laughs> I, I'll tell you the what zippered the waders. The, yeah, the waders. The, the zippered waders were a game changer for me. Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Well, so, if, you know, here's your winter project. You and your wife can build a rod. You can each build a rod.
1: Wow. See? Wait till <laughs> okay, I, I let, talk I'll to I'll my let my you wife. and your wife
0: discuss that later, but uh, for now, Joe, thanks, man. That, great of you to take time out of your day to join Richard and I and uh, help our listeners understand uh, what a cool organization you're involved with.
1: Well, John... Richard, I really appreciate the opportunity. This was fun. I, I've uh, I loved listening to your podcasts, and uh, I'm one of your biggest fans. I like to they tell do. people far and wide about the, the joy of, of these podcasts. So to actually be sitting on the other side of the microphone here with you is, is really cool. So thank you for the opportunity.
0: Well, yeah. and, and you know, Richard's uh, set it up so that we're uh, we're broadcasting today from the Fly Shop at the North Branch Outing Club. So we're just steeped in history; it's just dripping from us. <laughs> oh, it is. And, and I'd say so to cool. the
1: listeners out there, get yourself over here. Um, it's a fantastic oh, Absolutely. place. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely.
0: Awesome. Well, Joe, thank you, Richard. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Thank you, Joe, for coming uh, today. Go forward and keep doing great things, guys.
1: Thanks, We'll Jim. talk soon. Thanks, Richard. That was
0: fun. Uh, Joe's fantastic guy, great conversationalist, and obviously involved in uh, a plethora of important activities through the anglers. So um, thanks for listening. Uh, we've got uh, one more uh, to drop, um, and probably we'll, we'll do that shortly, uh, and that'll be with um, Joe Haywood, um, Michigan author. So. Uh, Stay tuned. And in the meantime, mind your back cast.